Podcasting with pride from a downriver suburb of the greatest city in the world. It's Wednesday night. Welcome back to Bright Side of the Hump. It's March 22nd, and we're in the throes of March madness. While tonight's guest teaches us about organizational alchemy. After he explains to us what the hell that is. The lighthearted Izzy Gassell will join us in just a moment. First, though, Crisis Text Line provides mental health support via text. Simply typing HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741 connects you to a counselor who can share mental health resources. It's a wonderful, practical, life-saving service that needs three things from us. They need volunteers, money, and help getting the word out on social media. Go to the webpage for this podcast and click on the donate link for all the details on how you can help. Flock of Brightsiders, what is an organizational alchemist? Well, tonight we find out. Our guest was a pioneer in showing organizations how to use improvisational theater techniques to train their employees. He's authored two books and has three video courses. He's trained NASA engineers on leadership and helped Aetna customer service reps learn to cope with stress. He does all this with elite communication skills that bring joy to his participants. Without further ado, while he's rumored to have put the bump in the bump-a-bump-a-bump, he had absolutely nothing to do with the ram and the ramalama ding-dong. Please welcome Izzy Gassell to Bright Side of the Hump. Welcome, Izzy. Thanks, John. And, and you left out that I put the do-do in the doo-wop, so... Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I want all credit that I can get. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. Yep. All right, Izzy, tell me what an organizational alchemist is and how did your path lead to that career? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, when I try to figure out what it, what was it that I was doing in terms of working with, with people, with groups, with teams, and a lot of it was the so-called self skills, uh, uh, soft skills, uh, which are about self-actualization. Um, I was thinking, well, uh, how do I, what, what am I doing? And, and I, I came across this concept of alchemy, which in my mind was always about, you know, Merlin and, and magicians <laughs> turning lead into gold. When I looked at the definition, alchemy is about turning something ordinary into something special, lead into gold being an example. And what I, I it occurred to me that I, I really felt that my work with humor, with improv, with uh, empathy and self-respect through play really was about transforming ordinary relationships and ordinary thinking into specialty thinking to make our lives and each other's lives better. So that's how that title came about. Uh, I figured I'm an alchemist for organizations and nobody else was using it. So um, I, I like that a little bit. How I got there well, I'll give you the, the the fast journey. If this was a cartoon, we'd be drawing these little lines on the map from place to place with the little car. This is the montage scene in the movie. 
this is the montage scene in the movie. That's that's right. Um, you can go out and get popcorn. I'll be right back. Um, I, I began. I grew up in New York City, uh, Brooklyn, uh, when it was affordable, and uh, I was a teacher in New York City for a couple of years. I was a special ed degree, wow. and I was on my way to. Uh, being a, an, an educator. I didn't want to be an administrator. I liked working with the kids. And I had a secret desire, which was to be a stand-up comedian, which, by the way, is not that different from being a special ed teacher. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. If you think about it, both both professions are individuals on a stage, platform, floor, yeah. trying to hold the attention of multiple levels of interest. Uh, from uh, with, with material that may be outdated or or or, or boring to you. You you've been a teacher. You know that. So true. Yeah. So so there's this 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 connection I had between, um, I guess looking back and on my my desire to be a stand up comic. I studied stand up comedy. You can do that. Comedy is structured. Um, humor is is not about telling jokes. Humor is a way of looking at the world. Comedy is an entertainment form of connection using humor. Um, I began, uh, I left education, became a stand-up for a number of years, and was in a number of improv groups. And in the mid-90s, I found myself teaching comedy writing at the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, Mass. And into that class came business people who didn't want to be comedians necessarily. They wanted to learn about how to bring more humor, joy, and laughter into their life. And what I realized was that comedy is about crafting. It's a craft. You make the humor, you, you create it, and then you send it out and the audience receives it. So when you go to a club, you're saying, I'm going to get laughs and entertainment. I, I, I'm on the receiving end. Unless you're a heckler, you uh, are not <laughs> expecting to send it out. Sure. Um, what these business folks wanted to do was, uh, they didn't want to be comedians, but they wanted to learn about attracting humor. And, and and what I began to do was use the skills and insights that, that comedy writers use to help people manage their own life, bring more laughter uh, into stressful situations, uh, relationships. What comedians do is they look at situations, notice incongruities and what ifs, possibilities, and put two things together that may not seem to like they go together, but then when they do it, they go, oh yeah, I could see how that works like that. And these folks, the business folks, asked me to come talk to their uh, meetings. You know, all business folks, all, all people have, have organizations, rotaries and, and, and lions clubs and, and associations. So I began to have this, this uh, as my mom used to say, have my butt in two chairs, uh, <laughs> comedy sometimes, uh, corporate events other times. I really enjoyed the corporate events. I, the hecklers were nicer. The food was better. The pay was better. My the respect I got was better, and I and I was really good at it. You know, as a comedy, as you go to comedy, you get generally three levels: the opener, the middle act, and the headliner. I, I got to be a middle act, but as a keynote speaker for conferences in front of hundreds, if not thousands, of people, and then in small groups in the organization, I, I really, I really liked it, and I realized that the combined the two things I like best: teaching and performing. So. Um, that's how I got onto the, uh, and, and it's, I've been doing it for 25 years and have no need to retire because I like what I do. So that's, the, that's the journey. Amazing. Uh, you know what, if you, what's the saying, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. It's yeah, still work, yeah. but there's, there's some, uh, truth to that. You're not dreading it 
And I uh, just want to say organizational alchemist is elite level marketing. Uh, so well done on that. Well, I'll tell you something. It, it, it is elite level and a lot of people don't understand it. So it goes right by them. They go, I don't, we don't need that. <laughs> what is it? I don't know, but we don't need it because nobody said, Hey, we, can we have an alchemist come in on, 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 on lunch and learn? <laughs> can, we, can we turn my tuna sandwich into a five course dinner? <laughs> Un, unintentionally highbrow. <laughs> exactly. That, that's a, you know I like that phrase, John. I am unintentionally highbrow. That's a, that's a humble brag, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, Izzy Tough. Can you teach my listeners how to tell a joke, or maybe even how to form a joke? If you, yeah, yeah. You know, that's one of the most uh, commonly asked questions. Um, so I'll tell you a joke and then I'll deconstruct it. Would that work? That would be fantastic. Okay, so so the, the there's a story of a, of a, um, a woman who went to, to Harvard Law School in Massachusetts. She's from the Midwest. I know you, you're, you're from the Michigan area. Um, yes. She was from the Midwest. She went to Harvard Law. She came back to her own hometown after a couple of years of working for a big corporation decided to open her own office. She rents a suite of offices in this um, uh, town where she lives. Um, she hires a florist to decorate, a caterer to bring food. She's going to have a grand opening. The day of the opening comes, she comes in really early, looks up at the banner stretched across the entranceway, placed there by the florist. Unfortunately, the banner reads, rest in peace. <laughs> So the woman's furious. She gets on the phone, starts yelling and screaming at the florist. How could you do this to me? I'm going to sue you. I hate you. The florist does the only thing he can do, which is admit the mistake and move on. So he says, ma'am, I realize I made a mistake, but look at it this way. Somewhere in this area, in a funeral parlor, there must be a body lying amidst flowers under a banner that says, good luck in your new location. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's a, I use that that story that joke because it's a well crafted joke. It's not mine. It's oh, probably it been around since the, the vaudevillian days. Right. Um, and the, the trouble for most folks in, is that we don't know. For all of us, we don't know we're going to like a joke until after it's over. Sure. And then when we're laughing, our head says, "Hey, you want that's a good one to tell. Rewind the tape so you can start at the beginning." But there's no tape. There's yeah. not even a digital uh, audio program in our heads. Right. So we try to, in our memory, tell the story from the beginning in our head to memorize it. And that's why when you get to tell it to somebody, you tell them the story about this lawyer and then you say, oh, I forgot the punchline. Right. <laughs> yeah, because you can't memorize something in the past. So here's the, here's the secret to recalling and retelling any joke you ever hear. Okay. One, recognize that jokes are stories. And as stories, they have a natural arc. And that arc is set up, act one in a play. Set up is where you meet the characters, introduced to the situation. Act two is the problem. All stories that are interesting must have a dilemma that the characters face, the lead character faces, in order to make it interesting. If everything is always perfect and smooth, there's no interest. If you think about sitcoms, every sitcom is a 28-minute morality play. <laughs> where you know the characters, they have a, a, a way of being, and they come across something that uh, they try to do something differently, some kind of dilemma, and then the, the consequences come out. So in this story, the problem, this act two, is the wrong banner, rest yeah. in peace. That's the dilemma. 
Act three, the, 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 the finale in a story, the climax in humor is called a punchline. Now, the structure in a joke is that the punchline is always the solution to the problem with a shift in point of view. So in this case, the solution to the problem was, <laughs> from a different perspective, look at it this way. <laughs> in fact, the phrase says it. Um, it's, it's not that it, it, it's, it's move on, look at it this way. Yeah. So you have the setup, the problem, and the punchline. The key to recalling and retelling any joke you ever hear when you hear a joke you like, and that means you're laughing, write down the punchline or put it in your little uh, audio uh, on, on your phone. Uh, click yeah. out the recorder. Just the punchline, and here's why. Once you know the punchline, you can go backwards because you know the structure. Yeah. If the punchline is good luck in the new location, what was the problem? The problem was the wrong banner. <laughs> go back to act two. So, uh, rest in peace. And then go back to act one. Who are the people in there? It's the lawyer and the florist. That's all you need. So the, the, all, the, the skeleton of this joke is uh, somebody, in this case a lawyer, needs a flowers because you got to get the banner in there. The problem is it's the wrong banner, and the punchline is the solution to the problem with the view from the florist. That's the structure of the joke. How to tell it then is a, practice, a, separate, uh, a separate art. You put in the details. I mentioned that you're in Michigan because I wanted you to feel that, oh, this may have happened. That adds a level of truth to a, a, a fable. Sure. Uh, you, you know it didn't really happen. You know it's a joke, and yet you're visualizing it in your mind. When I said a, a red banner stretched across the entranceway, you may have seen it. So the key to making the story part interesting is the detail. The structure makes it make sense. And you can tell this joke about accountants. You can tell this joke about anybody who needs an office or who needs who needs a, a good luck in your new location uh, banner. And the other side of the details is you want to stick to a couple of details, two or three. There is a magic in the number threes because there are people who tell jokes and stories who go so much into detail, you lose track of the flow. Sure. Right. So that's that's my suggestion. Outstanding. And you mentioned Harvard, so I have to tell you a brief, <clears throat> one of my favorite uh, jokes, and yep. uh, that would be that if you're in a room full of guys, how can you tell which one went to Harvard? <laughs> I don't know. Don't worry, he'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's sort of a cousin of um, how many Harvard people does it take to... Uh... Uh, to um, screw in a light bulb. How uh, many? None, none. They'll call. They'll call somebody to do it for them. Um, uh, so oh, we can, kid. We kid people from Harvard. We kid them. <laughs> hey, I live in Massachusetts. It's part of our our, our state motto. Um, <laughs> let, let, let me point something out. You know, here's here's the power of humor and why it's helpful in relationships and and uh, to to be a person who can share humor. I was struck by what you said. You said, hey, Izzy, you mentioned Harvard. Let me tell you a joke I got about Harvard. Yeah. So my point about detail, mentioning a college's name, instead of just saying a law school, <laughs> right. allowed, gave you an opening where you can now participate. And what we've done is we've brought a lot, little levity to each of our lives just by sharing one joke and then you recognizing you had 
something else triggered in you. So the recommendation for most folks and how to bring more humor in your life is to give more humor away. Oh, you know, um, think of the people in your life who you see as humorous. Um, That that is an an, an introduction to get some humor back unless you go to too much extremes and and you never shut up. That's not good. But once right. you tell the joke, you stop and, and get the response. Wait for the laugh. Don't step on your laughs. And let's let, let somebody else give something back to you. And that way you give and you get and you build that, that humor relationship. That reciprocity. That's exactly. wonderful. Can you play a game with me to show how improv works? Yeah. So the improv piece is, is interesting to me. It, uh, Improv for me is harder, was harder, it has been than stand up because in stand up, you're by yourself and you have control pretty much to the point of unless you're being paid for a certain amount of minutes, if you're not doing well or you can just say thank you, you know, that's my time, goodbye. <laughs> in improv, you're part of a group, you're a team member. Uh, if you're out on stage, you certainly can end the scene at, at any point, but you always have a responsibility to someone else. Uh, the, so, so here, here's an improv game that I use. Uh, in fact, I, I was doing a program for accountants and auditors yesterday. <laughs> to, to, and they, they themselves came in saying, oh, we're auditors. Uh, you know, we, we, we don't have a big, a good sense of humor. And I said, you do, you just, you know, your reputation is, uh, is bad. It's, um, so, so here's, here's a, a, a game I, I, I started them with, uh, that's a pretty, Pretty easy game. Uh, you and I, John, are going to tell a story that's never been told before. Okay. The game is called One Word at a Time because our agreement is that we will build a story that's never been told before, one word at a time, back and forth. Okay. Uh, the key is to uh, my experience is that neither of us will know exactly where it goes. Neither of us will be able to control the story. Even if you're trying to help me, I will, may not get necessarily the help you're trying to give me. The real key is to stay present. Listen when it's your turn, when, when the other person is speaking, add a word. Don't worry too much about whether it's the right word, or the best word and see where it goes and begin to build and try to get into a flow. Okay. Uh, it helps to say period, question mark, exclamation point. Either one of us at any point that helps round out the story. However, we can't use that as our turn. So I can't always, when it's my turn, go period. Haha, <laughs> back to you. I, 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 have to, I have to own up and, and participate. And at some point, one of us will go the end because the story has reached its natural conclusion. Okay. Does that make, sound good? It does. Okay, one word story. Let's pick a topic. Make up a title of a story that's never been told before, John. Just don't think too much. Just look around. Give me, give me a title of a make-believe story. How soccer and baseball are similar. How soccer and baseball are similar. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? I'll let you go first. Okay. Once. There. Was. A. Group. Of. Kids. Who. Wanted. To. Play. Baseball. Period. period. Unfortunately, those kids didn't have a baseball bat, period. Then they decided 
that kicking was the most accessible form of sports, period. (laughs) Finally, those kids found kicking to be exceptionally fun period the end (laughs) (laughs) that was great that was a lot of fun (laughs) so so well tell me what what was fun about it for you and then i'll tell you what was fun about it for me just it feels like you know i felt like we had a rhythm going of storytelling you know, mm-hmm. but your creativity, you know, I was always waiting for you to shift it in a direction, I think, but just mm-hmm. your experience with it. And mm-hmm. so I, then I would just get stuck with prepositions and uh, <laughs> conjunctions. I felt like I, you know, I felt like I held us back is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that makes sense. And what I point out is that in a relationship, not everybody can be the leader at the same time. Right. You can't have the world's best novel or story without words that are considered preparation or, or linking words. Right. It, otherwise, it becomes just like it, it, it's it's random. It it's random, or, or 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 you know, it's like wheel of fortune. You you have to figure out what's going on. So one of the this is the game I usually start with because first of all, a lot of people have played it with their kids in the car. Yeah. Uh, on trips. Um, and notice how you're thinking, you're, you're, you, you are observing your behavior while sure. you are playing. Yeah. The other part is that's interesting is the folks who are listening, I would imagine that many played along anticipating what they would say or expect trying to see anticipate what we would say as the word. So the discussion, and this is what I call applied improv, bringing improv theater principles into daily living for better self-actualization. Your comment, which was an honest, vulnerable comment, made possible a discussion for me in terms of encouraging you to recognize your self-talk Yeah, and how it, 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 (laughs) it, it judged yourself when I'm saying to you, I need you as a partner because sometimes you'll give me a word that sparks, uh, that lets me do the preposition. And other times you do. You you mentioned words I, I, I didn't expect at all. And I've yeah. just learned to let go of the expectation. One other thing that I don't know if it takes it too far afield, but I, I you hit the word I expected next so frequently. I had 75% of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a word in my mind that I wasn't intentionally leading you into, but as soon as I said my word, I had an expectation where the next word was going to be. And you hit it almost every single time. So, you know, and the same, the same is true here. So what that, what that shows us, and this is, again, this is a lesson from applied improv is that sometimes it takes a while to overcome the, when when people come into a team a relationship, a, a project, it takes a while to get into the flow and by taking care of each other, that, that's the mindset. We eventually get to it, It's like dancing. When you, if, if you start dancing with someone you don't know and you don't know how they dance, at first it might be a little bit awkward 
until you recognize how you can fit into their dance style sure. and then you you you're dancing together um, th this is an example of uh, how we again I said to you do you want to go first you want me to go first <laughs> that's the option I don't want to force anything on you sure and then that gives you a feeling of safety and and be able to take the risk so you become more vulnerable and then I imagine you heard when when I start you, anybody can start a story by going once upon a time. <laughs> we know that. And yet the mind is so, I don't know what's happening. I, I don't know the outcome. I uh, let somebody else do it. All you have to do is say once, or, or you could say anything. Sure. Whatever word you said, I would add another word to it. Um, what a great uh, exercise. What improv skills can anyone learn quickly? Well, uh, one is I think that we we, we uh, made examples of is uh, don't don't think ahead and, and and be stuck in an expectation of of something that's not in your control. Okay. So the lesson here is that in improv, when it's your turn, you're always in control. When it was your turn, I always had to follow your word. When it's not your turn, someone else is in control. So you have to learn to be both a leader and a follower in the game which means letting go of expectations and judgment. That's the skill that you, you learn every time you play. What do you think is the biggest barrier to someone being able to develop those improvisational skills? Uh, negative self-talk. I can't do it. I'm afraid of doing it. People are better than me. I'm not smart enough. So challenging those negative self-talk um, pieces is, uh, see, I think people mix up the concepts of safety zone and comfort zone. Okay. We think we're not safe by trying to, uh, because we're so vulnerable. Uh, you have to say something that, that uh, people can hear and act on. So you have some responsibility. Uh, so people think they're not safe, but really it's uncomfortable. And the only way we can grow is by expanding our, our comfort zone. My example for recognizing the difference is um, when, when I ask people if they like roller coasters, which is not my favorite because I'm afraid of heights. I said that <laughs> I, like, Me too. I like, like my feet on terra firma, the more firmer, the less terra. And the closer um, to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But people, there are people who like roller coasters. So I, sure. I point out to them that they go to roller coastering uh, because they, they want to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Yet they go because they feel safe. Yeah. And it's the same with people who go to scary movies. You go to be uncomfortable, but you, because, you go because you feel safe. And under, improv helps you understand that you're uncomfortable, but you're not unsafe by taking a risk. It's a fantastic way to put it. I uh, I will share something briefly. I haven't shared on, on the podcast yet, but uh, what, two months ago, I decided to, to give an open mic my first effort. And, you know, after being in front of kids a lot, I also taught uh, licensing classes to adults, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. So I've been in front of people speaking a lot in my life. Mm -hmm. And to say that it was incredibly different when I got up on that stage, grabbed the microphone and the light was right in my face yeah. and the crowd was there with expectations of, you know, and then trying to do the gymnastics of, okay, I'm really trying to make these people laugh at my thoughts. Yep. <laughs> Here it comes. I don't think 
you know, there would have been no way to prepare me for it. I didn't think that it would feel the way it did. And it turned yeah. out fine, but mm-hmm. it was uh, the, it wasn't terror, but it was, uh, you know, extraordinary discomfort for about 10 seconds. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great story. What you're pointing out is why people need to, who, who do this work need stage time because you can write out the jokes. Think or when I coach people on presentations for businesses, yeah. getting in front of the room, salespeople, um, uh, scientists who have to uh, explain their, their projects to non, non-scientists. Um, the, the more you are on, in front of people, the more you're essentially you're improvising because you're an energy manager. So yep. you can have the material that's very funny and one audience will laugh at it. And then the next day you're in a, a, a different group and nobody laughs at it. The material is exactly the same. The relationship <laughs> and the energy is different. So the more you go through that on stage, the, the more you understand that it's not just about the material. It's about the concept and, 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 and the environment. So your, your story is, is, is absolutely right. Because what happens on stage is time gets different. You, oh. you think you have three minutes and that's not a lot of time. And then you're done in a minute and a half and you're going, Duh. <laughs> you think something's funny. Nobody laughs. You don't know that you say something that you have no idea is going to uh, spark a laugh. People start talking. You have to respond. Do I respond by, by ripping them up or do I ignore it? There's yeah. a lot of things going on. Yeah. Very much. I love your, your your energy management. That's as good of a description as I've ever heard for what you're trying to do up there. <laughs> yeah, that that that's what it is, and and that's that's why again in in coaching speakers, there are certain things to do. So, for example, when I told the joke about the the, the florist, um, I, I paused a couple of times. So um, uh, she walked in, looked around, saw a red banner hanging over the uh, uh, across the entrance thing that read. Right. Rest in peace. So the pause, you know, people say timing is everything. Timing is pausing, creating yeah. space for people uh, consciously or not to lean forward. What what are they going to say? It's the suspense and, and, and at the end of a, a, a TV show or a streaming show. What, what's or, or if you watch uh, here's I will uh, acknowledge some um, I, I would say some guilty pleasures. I like watching those some reality shows like 90 Day Fiance and and, and, <laughs> and Married at First Sight. Yeah. Because sometimes I, for, I like relation, you know, I like to look at relationships and I also I, I need to just uh, let somebody else's problems entertain me for a while. Yeah, but sure. If you notice on those things when or, or even cooking shows, uh, MasterChef, when yeah. they when they're going around to uh, is he going to say yes or no? Chances are that the person has said it like two seconds after they ask the question, but they give you about 10 to 15 seconds of boom, 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 cutting oh, yeah. around to different faces. And the audience, that's the pause. Yeah. The audience leans forward, come on, give it to me. You know? So that's the energy piece that I, I was talking about. You do that from the moment you step on. Your opening and your closings are really, really key uh, when you're presenting in public in any manner. Wise. What is your favorite story to tell? Oh. <sighs> a couple of years ago, I was on a, uh, I was rushing to catch the last flight home. I used to travel a lot before COVID, fortunately. Uh, uh, and um, I, I, I stumbled onto the plane. I remember it was a, a Dallas-Fort Worth large airport. I had to run from one connector to another. Finally got out of the plane. I stumbled to my seat. I still remember it's 12C. I'm an aisle guy. Yeah, And too. I'm tired. 
It's late at night. It's the last possible flight home. I'm tired and I'm cranky. And I don't know about you, John, but when I'm cranky, I hate everybody. And I'm really critical. So I'm sitting there really ticked off because there are people having more than two carry-ons and you're not Hell supposed yeah. to. You know, I wanted to be the carry-on police yeah. or or it was just, I was really cranky. Uh, so uh, I get in the seat and they start to manage to take off. And the flight attendant starts, does, does the um, uh, preparation, uh, tray tables up, uh, seat up. Uh, I, I go, it's not a lazy boy. You know, I can't get, it's not really reclining. Can I read it like this? Uh, uh, the old oxygen mask thing, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. If the, and they say things I don't understand. Like, if the pressure drops, the mask will come down. They say, put it on your face and breathe normally. Yeah. How the heck are you supposed to breathe normally when there's no air in the plane? There's 120 masks floating around. You're just supposed to go, oh, uh, hey, 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 is that a good book? You know, yeah, uh, right. well, maybe, <laughs> you have a conversation. Right. So that's my mindset, right? I'm just really ripped. And and then the the flight attendant comes down the aisle checking for seatbelt compliance, and which is another thing I never understand. Like everybody knows how to put a seatbelt on. Right. Everybody. I could. But anyway, we'll we'll leave that for another rant. She comes <laughs> down the aisle checking for seatbelt compliance, and I didn't know this then, but I know it now. That as this woman walked up the aisle, she was bringing light towards the darkness that was C-12C. And, and, and uh, she bends over. It's, it's almost like I could feel the emotions change in front of me. And she bends over and looks at my seatbelt, and I see her name tag. And in the place where I expected to see words like Susan or Samantha or Sarita, I saw two words. And those words were O-Miss, O-H. M-I-S-S, because this woman understood that when people wanted her attention, they did not raise their hand and go, Susan, Samantha, Sarita. Yeah. No, no, oh, no. Miss. People raise their hand and go, what? Oh, oh miss. miss. And rather than argue with a thousand people a day, she had the presence of mind yeah. to accept the reality of the situation, slap it on her badge, and didn't have to say a word. And, and and as she walked through her, her 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 job, what was interesting for me and what was so profound was that by just walking through her world as she is with her sense of humor on her badge, she had the power to change the emotional climate for just about everyone who noticed that badge, myself included. And that's why I love that story, because it reminds me of you can't always adapt to what you want other people to think of you. You have to be your authentic self, take the risks and be who be authentic as you go through your life. And if you have a sense of humor, share it like we talked about before, and you will lighten up other people's lives. That's outstanding. On the show called Bright Side of the Hump, which that's the whole idea. That's the whole exactly. idea. <laughs> Find a that's, little bit of light somewhere. What a great story. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. What's a regret that has informed you to be a better person? Mm. It's only a half hour show, right? So, okay. I'll, I'll <laughs> you don't have to go uh, too deep, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I was first starting, uh, before I was doing my stand-up, I was, um, I, I was trying to get some some work while I was just starting out, and I I, I made the mistake of buying a restaurant. Oh. And what I, what I remember was um, I bought the restaurant because I was with a friend 
who we were eating in the restaurant. And he said, you know, this place is for sale. It was a deli. Um, and he said, you know, this place is for sale. And then he said, it's a gold mine. And I, I you know, I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I, I, I ate in restaurants all the time. I'm from New York. I knew delis. I thought I could do this. So um, without doing a much preparation, without getting a consultant, I bought the restaurant and it ended up two, two and a half years later filing for bankruptcy. Sure because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. In hindsight, I realized when my friend said uh, it's a gold mine, I re- realized all mines have a shaft. They do. And I got the, I bought the shaft. I didn't get the gold. But um, the, the regret and, and, and what it has made me realize, and, and the improv and humor has really helped me, is, is to recognize that I sometimes need to ask for help. Sure. Um, I need to plan a little bit more uh, uh, about consequences because I thought this would be the the be all and the end all for me. It was, you know, I'll, I'll buy it. I'll make it. Uh, it, is do, it was making money. I'll buy it for a few years. I'll sell it. Uh, it'll, it'll be great. And so I, I was so far removed from reality about my skill set, about what, what I could do. And I did not ask for help that um, even though I'm very happy where I am now and there's this irony about, you know, the, the, the things you regret, I, would you change it? Not not. Not at all, because I'm very happy where I am now. But uh, that's that's one story I'd share with you. That's outstanding. And I'm going to share something with you uh, from an earlier podcast episode. You could go back and listen to it if you so choose. Uh, but I had Scott Edwards uh, was my guest, and he owned several comedy clubs in Sacramento, California, back in the 80s, like in the boom. He, he opened his first comedy club in 1980. And had multiple different comedy clubs over about a 20-year stretch in the, you know, absolute heyday of stand-up comedy. Uh, but he's a, you know, a serial entrepreneur. And mm-hmm. so he would try other ventures. And he's a dreamer. And he said, I've, I've, I've been at the, at the height of heights and I've been at the bottom. But one of his purchases uh, in his dreaming phase was a submarine <laughs> that he used to take. So that's the you you now have the second, you know, I won't call it worse, but the second most aggressive financial strategy that I've heard in my uh, podcast hosting career. I wow. think. But he's so open about it. It's a wonderful story, you know. And he's like, "I was so happy. I have this submarine, but you're never going to top that for bad purchases, right?" So, uh, yeah, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'll wrap it up with you a little bit here. What other projects do you have in the works, Izzy? Uh, well, I I, I have. Um... Uh, a game, a card deck coming out probably in a couple of months called Sponto Time. It's 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 um, uh, called uh, the game that makes you a better person, and it, it's it's um, an improv games about twenty five improv games on cards, and uh, with some questions that you, if you want to look at how just like what we touched on, how your behavior in the game uh, uh, impacts your behavior in in the world. That's coming out uh, in a couple of months. And um, I have uh, a program on on applied improv for coaches, uh, which I, I'm also working on with a collaborator on how coaches can bring improv, these improv activities like one word at a time into their coaching practice to to build some relationships and help their themselves and their clients. 
And finally, there's a, an ebook I have on the website, izg.com, called uh, Instructional Moments Applied Improv for Facilitators. How to use these games? There are 10 games in the ebook uh, in your relationships, in your, um, with, with your family, just to have some fun. And then, if you want to use some questions to follow up on the behavior, because the essence is the way we play is the way we are in real life. You want to know about yourself, be objective of, of your behavior and thoughts and feelings while you play. And that reveals the, re- the real you. So those are a couple of things coming up. Outstanding. We can all use a little self-reflection. Izzy, you are an absolute treasure. Thank you for the light you put into the world and shining just a little bit of it on us. Nice. Brightsiders, go to Izzy's website. The link is posted in the description of this podcast episode. Thank you so much, Izzy. My pleasure. This is great. I I had such a good time. Everybody loves a compliment. So if you'd be so kind, give the podcast a five-star rating and write a brief review. After this inspiration music, hit pause and plunk those characters with a few kind words. Thank you. And also, please share us on your social media. However you see fit to spread the bright side is very much appreciated. Thank you again so much for listening. And as always, stay positive and keep looking for the bright side of things. If you dig it, do it. And if you really dig it, do it twice. (laughs) Yo, bring that fire, trench baby. Hey, fuck all the talking. You want me? Come give me my niggas. Don't care if y'all little niggas towing. He wanna argue and text when I catch on my side, and I swear he'd be different in person. I'm trying to stay out that way with just me and the gang. I be busy, I'm running up tokens. Fuck all the distance. Just send me the Eddie and my niggas slide to something like lotion. Fat, fat, fat. Five, five, sixes. He got the leaning like he off the potion. He on the floor, steady begging for life. He was coughing up blue while we laughing and joking. I'm really sliding to something that's stolen. I had a talk with my brother, I'm chosen. I'ma get rich and I swear I'ma show him. He's sick, he's rapping, so I'ma keep going. Exploring the city and getting it popping. We scatter it now like a human of roaches Fuck all the hoes, bro, I'm tryna stay focused It ain't no love, I ain't showing emotion Broke all the body and he just been itching When we in the street, we just caught in the rolling Something like windows, we slide and they open Janitor the boys with a wet him and soaked them Fucking with hoes and me thinking with dicks But I guess you ain't heard about medicine, she wrote it Chilling with demons, I steal for free If a bag in the air, do you know they get on it? Never stay like in fair, they post it And I remember them nights, you know, they're not lights But I swear we ain't never had motion Caught him at night, he was at a green light But he knew if he grabbed me, the doctor, I saw him Get in that room and start talking and folding I was in I'm getting thug in love with that money, my paper was thick in the folders I'm on my way to the top, but I keep getting stopped Cause the devil could grab my shoulder I be up thinking at night, so confused about life It had changed ever since I got older Fuck that, dude got your pipe Hop out that hoop and start up and blowing And he got the running from losing his life 30s and 40s, I'm tired of the talking So don't bring bodies, it's something I like Coming to shoot, I ain't coming to fight You just be talking and you never bothered If you really bothered, I'm coming at night Shout out your buddy, he next to the angels And he really bigger than all of the fights I gotta switch it, I'm towing the dike Riding the shockers and getting to Money. I come from a struggle and riding bikes Me and my brother, we forever thuggy You know we the toughest, you rolling the dice